Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm Tina, and it is what it is. Natasha actually reached out to me probably about a month ago and said that her book was getting ready to be released and that she thought it would be fitting for her audience. And obviously, um, I was immediately drawn in by the title. And after reading it, I feel like she was absolutely right. And this goes right along with like what we're trying to accomplish and um, showing up authentically and helping others by sharing your personal experiences with sarcasm and cuss words sprinkled in. So, oh my gosh, the best <laughs> Literally. So seriously how I like pitch it too. Because your podcast title is what attracted me to you guys too. Like it is what it is, but I've always pitched the book as a comedic memoir that's disguised as a self-help book. (laughs) So like it looks on the surface like a self-help book, but really it's just you guys, I've lived some lives and here's what I've learned. So please don't fuck up the way I did. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's part of like why I am here on this planet is like, I have to learn things the hard way and then I can help people not have to learn it quite as hard as I did. (laughs) Right? Like I almost exclusively learn things the hard way. (laughs) Yes, that is uh, my MO as well. So it's great. We're all here together tonight. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So if you would maybe share some of your background with us and then like how you came to write this book. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Oh boy. Well, I am 31 years old. So there's like 31 years worth of stuff in there. But the Cliff Notes (laughs) version is I grew up outside Washington, DC. I went to college. I didn't like school very much. So like I graduated at just after I turned 21. I think I was maybe even 20 when I graduated. And I moved to Los Angeles 10 days after graduation. And I was like, I'm going to do all the grown-up things. I'm going to – I became a producer and I make broadcast television commercials. And, like, I got the apartment and I got the guy. And, like, I was in the whole adult thing. And I was like, oh, man. Like, 
I don't know. I on paper I'm a grown up. On paper I totally <laughs> look like a grown up. But if you were to ask me, what's a four hundred one k? How do you negotiate these bills? How do you survive a breakup? Get your heart broken? How do you calm anxiety? What do you do like when? How do you make friends? What do you do when your past creeps in or you can't trust change? Or how mm-hmm. do you protect your privacy online? Like all the stuff, the millions and millions of things that like just creep into our lives as adults. I was like, I mean, I don't know. I just sort of am winging it. It's like a fake it till you make it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then quarantine presented itself. And I was having conversations with friends and came to the realization that I'm not special. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about me that makes my experiences through life and all the things I've struggled with special. Yes, I have anxiety, and when it happens, it feels very personal, but that's not to say nobody else has anxiety that manifests the same way as I do. Or, like, I have such an issue with change, but the more I look around, the more I realize, like, what I used to think was everybody else being much better at change than me is really just everybody else faking it also Mm. and navigating it in a way that, like, I just hadn't learned yet. So I wrote down conversations with friends sort of led to 98 topics, which sounds so intimidating, but it's not because it's 98 chapters in the book that are all like one, two, three pages that are just, if you're experiencing this, here's how to handle it. It's not from a preachy standpoint. I am no better than anyone else. I have no soapbox to stand on. I'm just saying I've gone through some shit. Here's, the lessons I've learned and I want to help others heal. I want to help others progress in life in a way that I felt I had to do the crunchy way. I would prefer it if everybody else got to do it the smooth way. And if this book had existed, maybe I could have got to do some stuff a little smoother. Hmm. Yes. I love like, that. like, and that's like what we're all about, which is exactly what you said. Just we've been through it. Are we special because of our trauma? Are we special because of our life lessons? No, but like, let's connect and realize that we're not alone in this world. And like you said, like nobody is better than anyone else. That might just be like a little cloak of insecurity or whatever, but we at the base of it are all connected. Yeah, I was in a long-term relationship when I was in my 20s. I met him when I was 19 and separated when I was 28. And when I left that relationship, I felt like everybody else had figured out dating Mm. and I was just like this stranger in a strange land. Apps weren't a thing when I was 19. I got out all of a sudden that's like the only way to date. And I felt so lost and it felt like I was the only one going through a breakup. I was the only one who had been in a long relationship that took their twenties with it. And I was the only one that was like figuring out how to stand and be a person for the first time in my adult life at 28. And then I looked around and I was like, oh, no, everyone else just had a little extra time to figure out how to fake it. But <laughs> nobody else has, like, got it all together. And and nobody – like, it felt like everybody else was dating so much better than I was. And then I found myself going on, like, three, four, five dates every couple of weeks being like, I have to catch up. I have to catch up. And, like, that's not a way to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, like, to go back to what you said about just – you have 31 years of experience. Like when you think about it, there's so much wrong with how we are sent out into the world. Like it's easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. And like when you're a kid and then as soon as you reach 18, like it's like, all right, you're working for retirement. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well that's like cool. Like retirement. Okay. Like I'll achieve that one day. That's like way off. But like, 
one that might not exist now. Um. <laughs> right. It's not even just retirement. It's all the milestones before that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to go to college. Well, what if college isn't right for you? You have to grow up, get married, have a family. What if you don't find that person you want to marry? What if you don't want to have kids? Go buy a house. Hilarious. Because, like, it's impossible to buy a house. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, these things just happen throughout life that people think they're supposed to be doing. We think we're supposed to be playing a part. But I say, like, like in school, we had gym class, right? And it was a requirement. And I had to learn year after year after year how to run. Somebody would put me in these horrible sitting shorts and oh be like, God. go run. And we're going to time you on how fast you can run. And I had to do that for like 12 years of school. Nobody did a mental health class with me that was like, here's how to meditate. Here's mm. how to calm anxiety. Here's what depression is. Here's how to use the tools that you already have in your life to help heal yourself. Like everything I was taught came from external yeah if right. there's something wrong with you you either keep it inside and don't tell anybody or you go seek help somewhere else like that you can't help yourself which is why i hate the term self-help because it sounds like you don't know how to help yourself so you need other people to, to tell you and i think that's wrong but i think there's a guidance factor that should be brought into it of yes i learned algebra but nobody taught me how to apply all of the years of math to doing my taxes mm -hmm. or getting negotiating a salary or a raise or a 401k. So I made all of those chapters and like, like they teach you how to make friends as a kid. Nobody teaches you how to make friends as an adult or how to fight. <laughs> you you fight on the playground and they're just like, no fighting. Don't ever fight. <laughs> right. And then, then you get into a relationship when you're 25 and you're like, well, I'm not supposed to fight. So I guess I'll just sit in this corner and let this person be mean to me. And that's <laughs> not a good relationship. That's how toxic relationships happen. Oh, and yeah. that's how people get in abusive relationships. It's like, we're taught, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight. Where instead we should be teaching, here's a productive way to fight here. Learn how to fight. Like there are ways to fight that get you below the surface of the problem and into the core of some issues that actually propel you into being a better person. They help you evolve. And that's all the stuff that they just sent us out to the world and they were like, they'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Ugh. Well, that surface level shit is why we grow up thinking like every adult has it together, why we idolize our parents and all the adults around us and like put them at this heroic role and like think that they're the end all be all for what it means to make it in the world. And like, you know, not only is that not reality based, but I think that that's a lot of pressure for our elders because when we get to their age, we realize that, you know, it's like a joke. Like no one has it figured out. <laughs> we're all just winging it. Were you guys like me where when you were in, I don't know, first grade, you thought it like when I'm 18, I'm going to be old and I'm going to have everything figured out. Yes. And then you became 18 and you were like, well, that didn't happen. So it's like got to be 30. Okay. When I'm 30 and I'm like married and I have kids, I'll have everything figured out. And then you get to 30 and you're like 60. Like when I retire <laughs> and my job's done and you know, I've got the life in place, then I'll have everything figured out. And really what you're seeing, you're not seeing people have it all figured out. You're just seeing people with slightly more confidence than you. Yes. People that you look at that you're like, they have it all figured out, even if they're your peers, even if they're the people around you or like, you know, when you start a new job and you're like, man, that person's really got this job. They're nailing it. They are probably still struggling with a lot. It's just they have the confidence. It's all it is, is when people have more confidence than you, either they're older than you, they're the same age, they're younger. It doesn't matter. 
it gives the appeal that they have it all figured out. And so what I'm helping people do is not have it all figured out. I'm just helping you get the tools you need to feel more confident about your own life and your own choices. And not only that, but do you ever look at people that are like your same age? Like, I don't know if you watch like the bachelorette, but this happens to me when I watch like the bachelor and bachelorette, like it'll, it'll show their name and like how old they are. And I'm like, Oh, they're my age. And then I just, I don't, I'm like, they, no, we're not like, they feel they're a lawyer and they're doing this and they have that. Like, I just don't feel like I am as old as I am. Not that I'm old, but like, I just don't feel prepared to be doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) It's so true. And then also I have the inverse where now I'm 31 and I'm looking at like, like Ariana Grande or like, Olivia Rodrigo and I'm like oh my god these people are younger than me and they've figured it out like they've got their life together and they're successful and they're doing all these things but we have no idea what the struggles of another person are we have no idea their circumstances are entirely different than our circumstances our lives are entirely different like for example in the anxiety chapter where I talk about calming anxiety and catastrophic thinking and overthinking all of those chapters the tools I give, I always come at it from a standpoint of this, these are the half dozen things that work for me. Mm. These are the six, five, six, seven things that when I have anxiety in this scenario, this works in this scenario, this works. I am not saying it's going to work for you because every single person is different. And like what works for me might not work for you, but if you try it, you might be like, Oh, that kind of felt right. Let me try something else. And you might lean towards something else that works for you it's the same with lives like if some if watching somebody around you looking like they have it all together motivates you awesome if it paralyzes you in the shame and fear that you're going to stay stuck Mm. then recognize that their life is not your life that it's not about you they have completely different circumstances. They have a completely different life. And even if you work in the same company, live in the same town, their life is totally different than your life. Yeah. But, and I think well, oh. I, I was just going to say that, like, this is kind of our approach to this podcast is that, like, we don't, you know, we're not, we don't have any credentials, like we're not therapists or whatever, um, but we we have the credentials of our own life experience. So like you said, like this is, this is what we've been through. This is how we're dealing with it. We don't by any means have it all figured out, but this is what has been helpful for us. And maybe it'll be helpful for you. And at the very least you can try it and say, that's not for me. I'm going to keep going until I find what does work. That's exactly why I named the book shit adults never taught us is it feels like conversations we never had. The first section of the book is career and money, which is practical stuff. The career and money is, like I said, the 401k, the taxes, the knowing when to leave a job, the getting a side hustle, the importance of all the career and money stuff that goes into like salary and raises and for some reason conversations we never had. So I give you tools, I give you sentence starters or the process and they about half the chapters all have checklists at the end that are like, do this. But then the relationship, the mind, the life, is really just experience. And it's like, this is my experience. This is my friend's experience. This is my mom's experience. This is my brother's experience. And like, these are the experience of the collective. And here's the through line that I've noticed. But it is what it is. Like, it's conversations that we just never had 
And now it feels almost, it's never too late, but it almost feels like we're getting the lesson a day later than we should have. Mm. Like we just missed it. But the one thing that I'll say about your, like the way that you have structured this book is that it takes the pressure off as a self-help book because you have those relatable moments in there. It's not like, oh, this is the end all be all. You have to do X, Y, and Z. Like it feels more like, hey, let's troubleshoot this together. Um, and like to kind of go back to when you were talking about the anxiety, I literally put in my notes, I was like, some topics that really just screamed out as Tina, stop, drop, and roll was <laughs> over, stop overthinking, curb your catastrophic thinking, like happy happiness is now and not in the next thing. And like those three topics are super, super relevant to just my life right now. But then to tie it into anxiety, like, you know, you and I can relate because anxiety comes with this awesome symptom where your brain makes you think the worst and everything. Um, and like, honestly, it's made me pessimistic um, at times yeah. because of it. So then like that leads into overthinking, which leads into the catastrophic, uh, like catastrophe prepping, which leads into the, well, if I can get through this, then I'll be happy. Like if I can just, you know, make it past this month, then my money situation will be good. Or if I can make it past this, then I can do that. So like, Oh yeah. It's and it's not to say that in doing any of, in reading these chapters, like you're not instantly going to be healed. I'm like, not, it's like you said, it's like troubleshooting. It's not to say like you read this book, you put it down. Oh my God, you're totally like this perfect person now. That's definitely not it because some of these chapters, I'm still learning the lessons. Like catastrophic thinking, before we started recording, we were talking about like, I'm having stomach issues right now <laughs> that I've never had before. And so it's been like a week or so. And literally I called my doctor right before this podcast and I was like, okay, here are my symptoms. Normally they would just be like a regular thing, but like, is it my appendix? Is it my gallbladder? Do I have a tumor? And like, there's genuinely no evidence for that there's evidence that like i have a stomach bug but in my head i'm like i'm dying this is this is the end welcome to the brain of tina <laughs> like, that's catastrophic and catastrophic thinking shows up all sorts of ways it shows up where you're at work and somebody closes a door and you're like oh shit they're talking about me we're really they're probably talking about financials or something they can't have the door open for mm. or they're in a fight or they're doing something personal like i constantly like will walk into a grocery store or something and somebody will look at me and I like look down as an instinct thinking I have something on my shirt or like I, my shoes don't match or like I constantly am thinking that like externally everybody is focused on me which is so insane but to think that way just makes you catastrophize everything you think of the worst possible scenario for every every situation you're not even in yet, the ones you could be in, and then you believe the reality of them. Like, how many times do you have fake fights with people in the shower or in the uh, car? More times than I would like to admit. Or, like, I'll play out a whole scenario, like, driving in the car, and I'm like, yeah, I did so good because I said X, Y, and Z, and it's like, like, Tina, that didn't even happen. Like, <laughs> let's, just, like let's, like, take it, take it down a notch. And, you know, like, all right, right yeah, I have talks with him, when I get really escalated sometimes and he's like, okay, so like let's deal with what's actually happening. And I'm like, okay, that seems logical, but like I'm being a crazy person right now. So <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like sometimes I need to have the fake fight. Sometimes I will have a fight because I know I have to say something to somebody and I've already decided this is how they're going to react. So then this is how I'm going to react. That's what they're going to say. This is what I'm going to say. And then I finally, you know, I fake fought it a couple times, like a whole half hour. I've got my script. It's memorized. It's amazing. I'm going to win. I go up. I say the first sentence and they go, okay. 
And then I'm mad at them because I didn't get to have the fight. Mm. Like that's catastrophic thinking on both ends. That's overthinking on both ends. And really all that is is just, just rooted in anxiety. It's rooted in a need of validation that your brain's functions are proper. Like you're trying yep. to prove to yourself that what you're thinking is valid where what you're thinking is valid. It doesn't need to be proven with a fight. It doesn't need mm. to be proven with like thinking of every scenario and every possible solution. Just relax. Just let the anxiety work through you. Because for me, I'm always the person that like, if I have a problem, I need a solution instantly right now. It's got to happen. Mm. And that's, that's anxiety because some things don't need a solution and some things don't need a solution right now. Yep. But constantly trying to solve it means you don't have to think about it. You don't have to deal with it. Exactly. Well, and then you have those moments where it's like, wow. I, and then you feel like bad because you spent all of that time, like assuming the worst, preparing for the worst. And then you're like, get to that moment. And it wasn't bad at all. And then, you yeah. Feel like, Why did I waste all of that time preparing for? You feel so silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and then it happens again the next day. And you're like, oh, but this is totally different. Like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is different because, and it's not. It's the same. Well, and I think, too, like, there's just so much value in books like yours and and just, like, resources like that in general. Like Tina said, it's, like, it, it's coming from a genuine place. I feel like I've I've been going through lately trying to, like, delete unfollow like pages on Instagram and stuff just the ones that like used to motivate me but now they just make me feel like shit and I feel like there's this vibe with like with coaches and just like people within like the spiritual community and like the like healing community in general it's like this I used to be at my worst and I was so low and then I did x y and z and now my life is great and and I never have problems anymore but that's not realistic like this is a process that you go through forever and ever and things will get easier, but ultimately something's going to happen someday. You're going to get triggered and then you just keep going through it again. Like again, That's nobody right. has it figured out. Like we're all just doing our best. <laughs> There's no shame in learning a life lesson over and over and over again, because you're going to grow a little bit each time. Even if you do have to learn the lesson a couple of times, like you might leave a relationship that's bad because of this reason. And then it shows up in a different relationship in a different way. And you have to learn it a couple of times. It's still growth. It's still you working towards something. The day that you don't have any problems left in life is the day you die because exactly. you're done. We're like a work in progress now until forever. And that's great. That's such a cool thing. Because that means the person that you are right now isn't the person that you're going to be in five years. And you're going to look back on this person being like, God, that was such a different, that was like a lifetime ago. Like I think about college now. I'm like, oh, that was like a lifetime ago. And it's because I, I was a different person with a different mindset and a different outlook and a different set of experiences. So like if you're in a depressive state right now being like, oh, like I just want my problems to go away. They will. You'll get new, different, cooler problems, but like <laughs> they will go away because you're going to grow. You're going to learn from this. You're going to evolve. And if you have the tools to deal with your problems in a really productive way, that doesn't feel like a problem. It feels like growth and it feels like a personal journey. It's so much better. And like all the problems are just like, oh, well, that's a learning experience. Like sometimes I like to just look at really shitty scenarios of like, oh, well this is a learning experience. Like 
I recently moved to a house, not thrilled with the house. The house is, I tried to buy a house. It didn't work out. So I'm renting right now for a year and the house kind of sucks. Like there's (laughs) just some stuff about it. That's like not a great house. And instead of being like, well, this house sucks and I'm stuck in it for a year. I've decided to be like, okay, well, this is a learning experience of what I don't want when I buy a house. And now I can buy all of the furniture so that when I do buy a house, I don't have to get new furniture and it's just all pretty new. And I can like figure stuff out that I wouldn't want to figure out with a purchased house, like a rental is more of a trial. Like there's so many things and that applies to so many aspects of life because if you're able to grow from something, it wasn't wasted. If you did a relationship for six months and you broke up and five of those months were great, but the last one really sucked. Like that was a five month successful relationship that Mm -hmm. taught you something about yourself and now you grow from it and you become a better person and the next relationship is going to be even better because you've learned something like that's true for everything. Yeah. And I think something that I'm like focusing on personally right now is like, I'm not the same person that I was six months ago. And, you know, like you said, five years from now, you're going to look back and, and look back at who you were. But like, I'm really trying to focus on being where I am, enjoying this process, like I'm never going to be exactly where I am again. And someday I'm going to look back and, and there, there will be parts that I'm glad I don't have to deal with anymore. But there's also going to be parts where like I'm going to miss it. So I'm trying to really appreciate where I'm at and what I'm going through right now because I'm only going to be here now, <laughs> if that makes That's sense. That's so amazing. And I love that. But I really just want to add on to it and say, I hope you don't get down on the moments where you're not present. Mm-hmm. Because like, for me, when I was on and this, you may be like way better than me. And I hope you are. But for <laughs> me, I did the journey of like being very present. I'm going to be present in everything. And it's going to make me appreciate the now. And then I'm going to grow in a better way. And then the moments where I would sit and think about the future or think about the past or get bogged down by some detail that wasn't relevant to the now, I would spin in this little spiral of like shame being mm. like, God, Natasha, like you're working on this and you're not doing it right. You're just yeah. not doing like the now. And please do not bog down in that because that is the now like your brain needs to process things to appreciate the now. If there's some garbage in the way that you just need to think and work through and get through to realize what's in front of you, do it, sit, think, give yourself 20 minutes to go sit and think about all that shit and then go back to the present. But pushing yourself to be in the present in a forced way, I find is like, for me, it just, it didn't work. And then I felt really bad about myself. Well, and that comes back to like the theme. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. And that kind, and that's something that we talk a lot about in this podcast, which is, you know, like like you talk about in your book, be present in the moment, like find happiness in the now, honor yourself, um, so you can move forward. And we've had quite a few episodes where we talk about our previous selves, and it's like if you didn't have yourself back then, you wouldn't be where you are today. So instead of being like, Oh, that's cringy or, Oh God, I can't believe I was like that. It's like, wow, thanks me for like getting me through that time and getting me to here. And like, thank you present me for working through my present stuff. So I could get to where I'm going, you know, like I, the whole thing that's centered around shame is such, it's just like a societal crap shoot you know like I think our society has a lot of shame in it and you see that in social media and you see that Mm -hmm. in 
um, just the way we interact with each other. And it's like, Hey, like, let's take away the shame and just like, let's just connect, you know, like, yeah, there's a way, there's a way to, to move forward and, and not feel shame about your past. Like Mm -hmm. everything you learned now past to the moment you were born, if you back up all the way, every moment of your life, you learn to do that. You learned how to walk, you learned how to talk, you learned how to think, you learned how to make friends, you learned how to get through life. So every problem that's ever come up, you learned how to fix it. You learned how to work through it and get through it. So all of that data supports the fact that any problem in the future, you can handle, you just have to learn. Mm-hmm. You just have to learn how to get through it because you've done it before and it might be a different thing. It might be bigger, it might be harder, but it's not unmanageable because I guarantee there's been problems in the past that you thought were unmanageable and you still figured them out. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that I wanted to point out, well, so there were several chapters that stuck out to me. Um, Accept that dreams take work, validate yourself, search for what's below that. Um, really the entire mind shit section, but also the um, <laughs> the chapter where you talked about your relationship, it was your brother, right? Which, which one? Which chapter? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but you, talk, you talked, and it, I, I resonated with it because of my relationship with Tina, um, and it, you kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I took from it, and I guess how it resonated for me was that he's younger and um, started to kind of like do all these things before you. And you were kind of like oh, feeling yeah. some kind of way about it. And that, you know, Tina and I, we have a podcast now and our relationship is great. But even just a year ago, um, we were not in a very good place. And when I was reading that, I just, I've really struggled with jealousy with her because she has started to do a lot of these things before I did that I felt like I should be doing because I'm the older sibling. And like, that's, you know, that's all I logically, I know that's all bullshit, but, um, but it's hard. It can be yeah. really hard. It was hard for me. So my brother's two and a half years younger than me. And the section you're discussing is the redefining your relationship with your sibling section. Yes. And for me, having a younger brother, I always taught him stuff. So he didn't know a word. And like, even if I was snarky about it and I was like, you don't know that word? <laughs> Seriously? Like, I still taught it to him. I still got to teach him everything when he was a kid to pretty much like I was the first one to go to college and I got to explain that experience to him. And then I got into the real world and explain that experience. And like, and then all of a sudden he was progressing faster than me. So all of a sudden he gets out of school, he gets a job that instantly out of school pays more than the job I was working being three years older. And then he gets promoted. He's moving. His job is relocating him. He owns a condo in Chicago. I don't even own a place yet. It's like I thought life just went linearly forever. Mm. I thought it had to be one step, then another step, then another step. And then it's sort of a free-for-all when you get out into the real world and you're no (laughs) longer sheltered. But it's hard because in your mind, you're you're supposed to work in in a set way. And when somebody in the world, if a friend of mine is accomplishing something, I'm so thrilled and happy for them. And then when it's my brother, I'm like, I really want to be equally happy, but like, I'm so pissed that I didn't get to do it. And it's just comparison. It's just, we have the same life. We have the same upbringing. We have the same everything. How come you get to do this cool shit and I don't? Like, it doesn't seem fair. 
And it just goes back to like when we were kids, things were fair because my parents like manipulated them to be as fair as possible. Mm. And the world is not manipulating it itself to be fair to me. It's not trying to make him and I equals because the world doesn't care if we are. Right. The world, it just unfolds as it should. And um, uh, one thing that, like, stands out to me that our mom, like, actually taught us. And, like, I even, I, I say this to my uh, my clients today, like, comparison is the thief of joy. But, like, it's so hard for us because we feel, I think, you know, for me, not just with Amanda, but, like, with my peers, it's, like, I almost feel like a failure. It's like, okay, why am I not on their wavelength? Like, what am I doing wrong right now to not be on that level? It's true. And it's, it's not a failure. Like, yeah. I don't know a better way to say it. No, right? it just, it is how it is. It's, it's what's unfolding at that time. And everybody's journey is individual and different, but like, that's a hard concept for us to break away from because we grow up being in this like togetherness unit that it's not even a concept to us that people can take different paths when we're adults exactly and it just adds when it's your sibling especially if it's your younger sibling it just adds that extra layer to it and you know like tina is married she just bought a house with her husband like and i am about to finalize my divorce and i'm like in an apartment by myself and you know it's it's fine i'm i'm good and tina often reminds me like there's there's nothing wrong with where you're at um, it's just, I, so I hadn't thought about it. Dive in there. Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just, just like, there's so much good stuff we can dive into right here. Like so much. Well, and That's I like true. hadn't, I hadn't thought about it really that way until I read that chapter of like, oh my God. Yeah. I've, I've felt that way with, with Tina too. But you are in a, you're in a different, it's like apples and oranges. Like you're in a different, it's not parallel because it's not a race. Right. Like, I understand the comparison of like one person has a house that they purchased and one person has an apartment that maybe you didn't purchase or like those things feel parallel, but they are two completely separate relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's regardless of whether or not you grew up in the same house or one person is older, one person is younger. Like somebody can be in a relationship and get divorced at 28. And then another person can be in a relationship and get divorced at 40. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not to say that either of those relationships were better or worse or more successful or not. It's two completely different relationships. And if somebody like gets married really young and stays married forever, we look at them with like shock. And it's because statistically things don't work out when you get married really young. But it's not to say anything about that relationship because everybody's different. And it is really hard when it's your sibling because you're naturally comparing yourself to them. You've been comparing yourself to them your whole life. They get a shirt, you want the shirt, you go and get the shirt. Like it's always been that way, but your parents are cultivating something hopefully that keeps you in line with your sibling where hopefully it's treated where they love you the same, they treat you the same and, and nobody's getting any special treatment. So then when it, when you're going through a divorce and somebody else is married, it feels like they're being treated as more special than you. Well, and there's a couple things that I want to say about this. Like, so one thing that we talk about, because Amanda and I have a feedback rule. So, and like, that's a whole other bag of worms that we can get into. <laughs> when we when we need to have like that crucial conversation that we as society say we're good at, but we're not really good at. Like, we're like, hey, can I give you feedback in this moment? And then the other person is like, yes, you can. Or no, you can't right now. And then, you know, we go from there. Um, I love know, that. 
something that we talk about in those feedback moments is like, you know, these things are happening for Paul and I right now, but like, that's not to say that those moments are not going to happen for you, Amanda. And like, there's going to be times where, where you're going to have that shining moment where I'm going to be like, God damn, like why? Like what the heck? And then, <laughs> so it's just kind of like an ebb and flow. It's a circle of life. And then oh, I can't forget. I can't remember the second thing I was going to say. Oh, dang it. But we look at relationships like they're when you're buying a house and you're getting married and stuff. It's like, oh, everything's perfect. Everything is great. Nobody saw any of the fights you guys had about the house. Nobody saw any of the Mm -hmm. fights you had leading up to the wedding. So from the outside, it looks perfect. It looks like an Instagram reel. And (laughs) and when you're not in it and you are in a divorce or you are in a breakup or you are going through something horrible, like you're comparing your worst moment, your worst part of today to someone else's best part of today right like i just got in a fight now i have to like go sign a lease to a shitty apartment and they got a house but nobody's seeing the fight you guys are having about the house or the struggle you're having or like Mm. any of the hardship because we're just in a mental state that's saying everybody's doing better than me and, and my life sucks oh yeah and like so to kind of like piggyback off of that, like the fight that you don't see. Amanda actually did have, you know, a, before she got into her apartment uh, and kind of in the in-between time, like she saw the stress of like, you literally get vetted with your life. Like you're a criminal before you can buy a house. And like, oh, yeah. that nobody tells you, like you think like buying a house is like this simple thing, but like it's, it almost feels like life or death. But we were sitting in the Cheesecake Factory parking lot and <laughs> We had bought furniture that day, and then I didn't realize that that purchase could have, like, impacted our ability to buy the house because we bought, like, a bedroom set and a recliner. And then, like, my mom was like, what the hell are you doing? And then I'm like, Paul, we ruined everything. Like, this is horrible. (laughs) Like, we're not going to get the house. And, like, yeah. So, like, it's all butterflies and rainbows on the surface level, which is, like, how society likes to run. But, like, internally, especially having anxiety, it's like, everything hurts, and I think I'm dying. Like, I am Leslie (laughs) Hill. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's, it's exactly that. And it's comparison because we're in a culture that is built on comparison. Like you are constantly looking at Instagram feeds and TikTok videos and things where you're just looking at people being like, their life is amazing. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and I, I tripped and fell today. And I bet they've never tripped and fallen before because their face is perfect. And like, mm-hmm. these are not real things. We are just projecting stuff onto other people. And I've never bought a house. I tried. I literally tried to buy a house in March that like had foundational issues and termite damage and stuff. It was the most stressful thing. And I didn't get it. Like this house was a fallen down house and like I still didn't get it. So <laughs> so I I cannot relate to buying a house, but I can relate to the relationship side of it. And all I can say is when I go through a breakup everybody else is in the world's greatest relationship. Mm. When I go through a breakup and I walk through Target, I've never seen so many people hold hands and kiss in the aisles before. <laughs> and it's like... The universe playing games with you. Like, really? Like, do I need to see all of this right now? Like, we get it! <laughs> yes. So all I can say is, like, to boil down the last five minutes of what I've attempted to say, and I don't think I'm handling it in the best <laughs> way, but, like, I swear all it is is the universe conspires against the person that's going through a hard time to make it look like everyone else's time is easy and great and amazing. And the thing is we never see what's behind that. Mm. We never see, and we never see the joy behind a person in a breakup. Like, like when I left my nine year relationship, I felt guilty for feeling relieved Mm. and I left and I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm 
free. Like I get to go be me now and I get to go figure out who that is. And that's exciting. And I'm relieved that like, I'm not in a relationship I don't want to be in anymore, but I felt so guilty showing that side and being happy in a way, because then people would come up to me and be like, Oh, I just heard, are you okay? And I had to be like, yeah, I'm fine. But in reality, I wanted to be like, yeah, great. Like, this is the best choice for me. And it's hard and it sucks, but it's going to be good. And it, when you're going through it, like people are looking at you hoping to, you're sad and, and sort of not okay. And if you are okay, it's, it feels weird to show that. Yeah. I, yeah, I can relate to that. When I, when I left my soon to be ex-husband, it was, it was, you know, Tina was there. She helped me move out, but it was probably one of the worst days of my life, but not once during that day did I have the thought of like, stop, I don't want to do this. I like, it was awful, but I knew I had to do it. And for the first, you know, month or so, I, I was pretty devastated. I didn't want to not be married. And the thought of being 29 and divorced was not super thrilling. But since then, I've just, I have completely come to value my own space and my own time and, and what is important to me. And I, I had completely lost myself in my marriage. So I can totally relate to that of like, I'm actually yeah. okay. <laughs> it, it really hurts at the beginning yeah. of it. It hurts so bad. And I, it sounds like we were similar, but I was the one who made the choice. I was the one who was like, this is done. I can't do this anymore. I tried really hard but I'm just not in it anymore and I'm losing me and I need to go find me again. Mm. And so it sucked. Like, I think I cried. I called my mom and I cried for like almost two hours when he moved out. Mm. And I was just like, I cried and like, I felt it. And I, I sat around and watched old episodes of Will and Grace and like <laughs> other stuff. And I let myself feel what I needed to feel but with that came feelings I didn't expect. I expected to feel devastated. I expected to feel sad and upset. I didn't expect to feel relieved. I mm. didn't expect to feel joy or excitement about the future. Or And when those things crept in, that almost became harder for me to reconcile than the sadness because I had been preparing to leave for several months and I knew I'm going to feel sad. And then the other stuff coming in, I didn't. I didn't think in that way. Mm. So yes, if you're in a breakup and you're feeling sad and devastated, of course, take the time and feel that and work through it. But if you're in a breakup and you're feeling relieved or happy, recognize that as well and, and know that all of that's valid. Mm. I love that for sure. Thank um, you. I think, so I know that we both have questions that we, we wanted to ask. And I think, um, shoot, ask away. I'm a long winded person. I apologize. <laughs> oh I no, talk and talk and talk. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I love this. Um, so what, I know that you have written other books. Um, and I, this one seemed like it was a little bit different. Like you don't have ones exactly like this. So what was the experience of writing this book? I know that you mentioned, um, like your conversations with your friends and kind of keeping notes and things like that. But um, what was the experience of writing a book like for you? 
Yeah, so this is actually the first book book I've ever written. Okay. I've done journals before, and I've done guided journals that help people through travel or breakups or mm. all sorts of things. Yeah, I have a 30-day breakup journal if you want that. Cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's guided. It's got quotes. It's got prompts. It's got rage pages where you just write all the angry things you wish you could say to them but can't. Um, I love that. So I've got journals, but this was the first book I've ever written, and I never saw myself as an author. I never thought that that's the kind of journey I would be on. But quarantine happened, and I don't think anybody thought that was the journey they would be on. Mm -hmm. So I found myself furloughed. I was sitting around. I was having the endless happy hours with friends, and all of these topics were coming up, and the through line of every topic was, man, there's a lot of shit we don't know. Like, there's a lot of shit we pretend to know, or, like, maybe we met, like, we talked about it in school, maybe at some point, like, they did teach us about taxes, but I totally just blanked and didn't listen, or (laughs) I just feel like there was so much that was presented to me, either not at all, or in a boring way, or in a way that I couldn't relate to. So Mm -hmm. what I wanted was, I wanted it so that somebody could pick up this book and put it down and pick it up and put it down as they needed it. But also, so they don't have to Google and be overwhelmed by the endless pages of Google that are each link tells them contradictory things or is pages upon pages upon pages of unreadable, boring jargon. Mm -hmm. I just wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to be lighthearted and I wanted it to be quick. So like, I don't think there's a single chapter that's more than four pages. And it's like, I understand 401ks suck. Let's talk about it for two pages and then let's just be done. And then you know everything you need to know or you know the basics enough to get started and let, let's let move on. And if you don't need that right now but you need it in a year, put the book on the shelf, come back to it when you need it. Like it's not a novel. You don't have to read it cover to cover. Uh, I love that you said that because that's like that was my exact approach. Like I tried so hard when we first got this book. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read it left to right because like – that's how I am as a reader. Like I have to pick up a book. I read it for a little bit. I put it down. I digest. I come back to it. But like, I was like, all right, let's do it, Tina. You're in a marathon. Everything's fine. Then I realized I was like, okay, this is like a lot of great stuff, but it's a little overwhelming. So I went through with a pen and I, hold on a minute. Am I echoing from yours? Not for me. No. Okay. I just want to make sure because echoing on mine a little bit, but I went through and I took a pen and I was like, all right, let's just star the things that apply to me right now. And that's how I went to it. But the one thing that I want to like tell our listeners is that this is so awesome because not only is this like relevant to now, but this is going to be relevant in the future. And like, you know, like things like learn how to fight. Okay. Like Paul and I, that really resonated with me because Paul and I, have not been the best at having constructive fights in the past. And we've like worked really hard on that. And, you know, I can just see somebody in the future being like, okay, this didn't go really well. So let me come back to this and see, you know, how somebody else handled it. So this is not that's, like a pick that's up. so funny. You picked that chapter. I literally just did a podcast where somebody was like, my husband and I read the learn how to fight section and like, it was really great. But then we were literally in the middle of a fight and I went and I grabbed it for the what's below that section where it like teaches you to just (laughs) dig below. And she's like, I like paused our fight to go and grab the book and like talk about through that section. Be like, okay, so this is how I 
feel when you do this and like literally just walked through the section and i'm like that's what it's for it's not meant to be like it's there it's your cheat sheet it's your guide through life and just like you can't need everything right now if you're not having an anxious moment or you're not having a depressed moment or you're not having a catastrophic thinking moment none of those chapters are going to resonate if you're not going through a breakup that section won't work. If you're not figuring out how to fall in love, that section won't work. If you're not going through a lust or infatuation, like section of your life or aspect of your life, that chapter won't work. There's, it's all encompassing for a lot of the obstacles we're going to encounter in life, but you can't encounter all obstacles at once. Like life would be unbearable. We would all be committed at that point. Like if we were like so many obstacles all at one time, it's like, okay, Come visit me in a padded room. Bring me Jolly Ranchers. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, the reason I put the career and money section first is if you've got your career and money unlocked, like, skip the section. Honestly, it's just – it's upfront because nobody is going to be negotiating a salary, negotiating a raise, negotiating their monthly bills, doing their taxes, and their 401K all in the same month. Like, mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. That's so like I, a recipe for your marriage to like not survive to talk about all of those money things in one setting. Like, <laughs> yeah, and all right now, <laughs> even outside your marriage, your own mental health. If you had to think about your finances currently, your finances in five years, your finances 10 years from now, and then in retirement all at once. Oh my God, I would crumble. Oh my gosh. Well, like Paul and I are making a patio right now um, in the back with our house. And it's just like, Okay, we're going to DIY ball the budget because, like, just, like, the sheer – oh, my gosh. Just, like, the price of how to put these things together and, like, to hire a professional landscaper. It's, like, okay, we are just starting out, and I just – It's a lot. Yes. Yes, it's a lot, and I resonate with the fact that it can be very overwhelming. Um, so And just, I'm a like, – I'm easily overwhelmed as a person. So that's why half the chapters in the book have checklists at the end, because I can read a chapter and be like, cool, now what? And even if it's got like four check marks and you're just not quite ready to do them all yet, just do the first one. Do the first one this week, check it off. Do the second one next week, check it off. Like you don't have to do them all at once. And the reason it's checklist is I like to break things down. It's the only way my brain gets less overwhelmed. That's and I feel like, like we said, I'm not special. So like <laughs> it has to be the way somebody else thinks. Somebody else must be overwhelmed by just reading books and not having actionable items. Yes. Well, so like with all of this, one thing that I had, and like maybe this is kind of personal, but I feel like we can relate is when you came out and you came out with your title and the book that you wrote, Shit Adults Never Taught Us, like how did you go about that with your parents? Because one thing that I am fearful of is like our parents will listen to, my and Amanda's parents will listen to this podcast and they'll think like, oh God, like you just think like we failed you or whatever. And like, that's totally not what it's about at all. That's like, how, a good question. Like, that's how, like, that's my new favorite question for the <laughs> podcast. That's such a good question. Um, okay. There's a few aspects to this. The reason I opened the book with everybody taught us from what they knew. Teachers taught us to a test. Parents taught us from their life experience what they knew. But they, when they were investing, they didn't have Robin Hood or Acorn 
when they were doing their taxes, they didn't have TurboTax online. When they were negotiating their salary or their raise or figuring out when to leave a job, it was a generation that got a job and stayed in it for 20, 30, 40 years. Our generation stays in one, maybe five. Right. They were getting married and having kids earlier. They were not in a technological realm of things. And when I talk about mental health, I talk about it with my mom a lot. She's a child psychologist. And I say, I don't blame you for my anxiety. I do, however, think that the way we were brought up contributes to my susceptibility for social media's anxiety. I was taught in a way that says the outside world, like, be good, be kind, be nice, because the outside world needs it. And then I look at social media and I'm like, but they're not being kind and they're not being nice. (laughs) Like, (laughs) everything's being, everything's going to shit. And so, like, even... First of all, when you're in therapy, everyone's trauma stems from their parents. You can have the world's greatest parents. And there are days I believe I did have the world's greatest parents. It's not any parent's fault. There is going to be trauma in every person. There's going to be things in every person. We are women. That inherently means trauma. Yes. Because (laughs) society has decided that we need a little of it. Like, in order to keep going in life, society is just like, you need a little trauma today. So, like... Just like a little. So we get it every day because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people who are photoshopped and look perfect or we're constantly being told, like, you can't have this job because you're a lady or you don't get to have any money or this much money or you need to be safer because men are trying to kill you. Like, there's all of these little subliminal messages that we're getting that aren't, they're just thrown at our face all the time. But even beyond that, society grew technology grew so much faster and it's never the fault of a parent to have to catch up with technology but we as kids were keeping up with it right Mm. we were on chat rooms or like instant messenger we were on myspace we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on snapchat and there's all this stuff that like your parents did their best to protect you and keep you safe and raise you in the way that they knew how but nobody's perfect and everybody's going to have failures that that change the people around them. But that doesn't mean, like, you would have needed to go through personal growth with the best parents of the world. Wow. So, like, I tell this story. My dad, there was this woman that my dad worked with. I was maybe 10 or 11. We're at a a dining room table with my parents and like I don't I can't remember all the exact details right now but I must have been like middle school maybe and we're sitting and my mom's like so how was work today and my dad was like oh it was good but uh so and so she's so emotional she was being mm-hmm. so emotional today and somewhere in the back of my brain I tucked that away and I decided I can't be emotional ever at work because then somebody's going to go home and bitch to their wife about the emotional lady at work. Mm. And it wasn't until I started doing meditation that that, and I was like in my late twenties that that came up in a meditation. And I, I was triggered in that memory and I had completely forgotten about it for at least like 15 years. And it came up and I brought it up to my dad and he was like, Oh, I remember that woman. No, she just like, she would complain a lot or, he used a word emotional in that moment. And therefore I never spoke up at work. I never said, I don't think this is fair or I don't want to take on these extra tasks or I'm overwhelmed or I need help. I never said anything because I was afraid I was going to be deemed emotional because of one comment 
my dad made. So even if you have the most perfect parents in the world, they can never say everything perfectly right. Exactly. And that kind of like circles back to like, is it really the most healthy thing for us to put our parents on a pedestal? And like, there's things that our parents say that I'm sure that they say in a blip and then they don't think anything of it. But then like, we really internalize that and like take that to heart. And then they're like, Oh my gosh, like, why are you acting like that? Or why do you think that? And then we take the time to explain and they're like, Oh God. So like, yeah, yeah that, you know, when we start the podcast, Amanda and I had a conversation of like, I never want my parents to listen to this podcast and feel disrespected. I, I want them to like be able to listen to this and like hear our struggles and hear the things that we've worked through. Like I never wanted to feel like, you know, like, Oh, you guys suck. And like, this is how I'm working through this. No thanks to you. Like, it's like, I'm thankful for our life experiences. And then I'm thankful for myself, like taking the reins and figuring it out as I go. I think you can come at it of a place of, I like me. And the only way I get to be me is because I was raised by you. Right. There's, there's no scenario where I become the person standing in front of you having this conversation without the past that I've had. And the journey and the personal growth I had to go through was also informed by that childhood. But if you come at it as, I don't regret any of the things I've had to go through because it made me strong, it made me a person that I am, then, then that's not coming at it as an attack. You're not coming right. at it as like you did something wrong. I do think like when I wrote the book title of should adults never taught us, I do think there needs to be some reform in the education system where I don't need to learn algebra three years in a row and not learn how to negotiate a salary. Like I, I think there should be mental health awareness and teachings and classes and meditation, all of that in schools that if there was an attack in the book, yes, I think education needs to be reformed i don't blame anyone's parents even if you had the shittiest parents in the world you are now given this gift of getting to heal and grow and become your own person and a therapist is there to help you like there's so many things that we like to put outward we like to say well i have anxiety because of my childhood no you have anxiety because you're a person like yes your childhood may have contributed to it but you're just a person. So now you get to work through it. Now you get to figure out who you are and grow and become a really cool person that like maybe has less anxiety. Anxiety is not going to go away, but it's going to exist for you because of who you are, your genetic makeup. Yes. Your background. But like, if I were to pinpoint the anxiety in my life, it's from people like at school, like school bullies or it's from, yeah, exactly. It's from TV shows or social media. And none of it is my parents. They just made me into the person that I am. And maybe some of those lessons helped me. I'm not really, you know, when you go through therapy and trauma, like you're never thinking about like all the lessons that helped you. Well, and it takes away from like the, I'm a victim of my life, my circumstances, these things. And it puts the power in, okay, what we're about, it is what it is, but it becomes what you make it. And so all these things happen. And just like we have our own story, our parents have their own story of where they got to their own set of trauma, their own set of hardships. And, um, it's very like cyclical when you think about it. Um, just about how we interact with our parents, how they raise us, how we then, you know, move that into how we interact with other people. Um, So, yeah, I really like how you said, 
I, I just really like how you worded that about taking, just taking the anger and the shame out of it. Like that's a lot of like what we're about. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um. All right. So my last question before we, we pull cards is um, if, and my dog is like aggressively drinking water right now. Yeah. Hey, we'll pause for the time. <laughs> um, so if you could, just sit down and meet with a younger version of yourself. Like, what would you tell her? Ooh. What age is she? You pick. (laughs) Okay. I think there's so many things I would tell her. The first thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no shame in asking questions in the world. Another would be stop comparing yourself. You're Mm -hmm. on a totally different journey. And like, I was racing through life. Like like we said, I graduated high school at 17 and college just after I turned 21 and I moved to LA and I climbed, you know, employment ladder and it felt like I was racing somebody. I was in this timeline and so I sort of forced certain parts of my life and I would just tell her to slow down and like I, the universe isn't in a hurry. I am. Mm. So just let the universe tell me when things are supposed to happen and and stop putting so other people's opinions, giving it so much weight and putting all of that pressure on yourself because it isn't real and it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I have one little tiny follow-up question, like all of this. So, you know, like we were talking in the beginning, like you're like, once I get to 18, like I'll have it figured out. Once I get to 25, I'll have it figured out. Once I get to 30, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like I'm at like 120 right now. I'm pretty sure somewhere <laughs> around 120. Oh my god! So one, I'll have it. Will there be a shit adults never taught us like part two as you grow and as you go through your life? Like, will there be more? Do you think there'll be a potential for more topics to come up for you to write more about? Oh my gosh! Yes. I've actually already started writing the second and the reason I'm doing it is there were a bunch of things that I left out. This book is like 300 pages already. The shit adults never taught us. So I, I couldn't make it any longer and in good conscience be like, guys, it's quick and, and funny. And <laughs> don't worry. It's real quick and funny. Um, but there's a lot of, there's some chapters that got left out because they didn't fit so well. And then there's some chapters that honestly I wrote and they just felt too vulnerable. They felt too personal. They, they felt, and also more female centric. Like I wrote this book to be men, women, any age. The The next round I think is more female centric and it's more experiences where I'm like, I'm not quite ready to talk about this. This was my first round of like, this is some failures I've had experiences with. These are some of my embarrassments. This is some stuff, but like the next round is far more vulnerable and far more um, open. I'd say. I love that. And I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I uh, have no timeline for it yet. It's still being (laughs) written. So just stick around. Well, that's, what's going to keep us coming back. But Amanda, should we, we got like, off to a great start with such great conversation. Should I end with some warrior goddess wisdom and then move into cards? Sure. So excited. Okay. So literally Natasha, all I do is I just like randomly pick. I just, I just like sit through and then it's usually juicy. I can't wait. Oh, 
All right, so this one's short, sweet, and to the point. It says, my hope is to still leave the world a bit better than when I got here. And I think that that aligns really well with everything we've talked about is that, you know, we go through different stages of life and, you know, we're not at our highest good yet, but in that moment we are at our highest good. And I think that that goes along with your book of like, we grow, we learn, um, we change and all of that is what makes life so amazing and worth living. Uh, so it says, take today to think about your goals uh, and try to broaden them into something that can grow with you. For instance, I want to climb Mount Everest, maybe come, I want to continue to pursue grand adventures. Even if you don't make it to the summit of Everest, you're meeting your goal whenever you take a step towards any adventure, big or small. And I can't remember what chapter it was, but that like, that aligns um, with the one, I can't remember the chapter, but it was like, I want to leave my job. <clears throat> when do you want to leave your job? It's like, today, oh, yeah. please. That's prioritizing your wants chapter, and that is such a good one because it's like, I get very emotional, and I'll immediately be like, okay, I have to go do this right now. I have to change gears and go do this, and then I forget to think about all the other aspects of my life that's going to be a consequence for, and so it's mm -hmm. more big picture stuff. I think you couldn't have picked a bigger or better card for this conversation and then for us individually, like we're all, you guys are doing this podcast. I got the book, but we're like, we're just trying to help other people in a way where we do leave the world in a better place than when we got here because we're helping other people heal and get through stuff that, that can feel really hard. And ultimately when you do your own work and you heal yourself, that like that has a ripple effect and you may not see it directly. Like you're not gonna be face to face with every person that ever reads your book and we're not gonna be face to face with everyone who ever or listens to this podcast, but someone heard something, someone read your book and took something from it. And we don't have to know about that, but it's happening because we're doing what we're doing with ourselves. Exactly, you can do that even without a book or a podcast, you can do that just by smiling at somebody. Exactly. Or or saying hello to them in line at the bank or something. Like there are ways to just brighten somebody's day and make things a little bit better. Exactly. Love that. Um, and so that, that was actually a book that she pulled from, but if you're cool with it, we'll still pull some cards. Yeah. So I think what we usually do is that we pull, like I'll pull for me, Tina will pull for herself, but I think it would be cool because you're our first guest, that we'll pull for you. Yeah. I'm down. Let's get into the juicy stuff. Cool. <laughs> so do you have any, like, specific questions or just kind of see, like, what you need to know? I don't have anything specific right now. Um, I mean, I just switched to a new job and a new house, and I've got a boyfriend and a dog. I don't know, really. I've never really done tarot very much, but if okay. you guys have uh, questions you've used in the past, I, I'll borrow one. Let's just see what happens, what comes yeah, out. Okay. Tina, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, uh, you go first. I'm shuffling my work your light deck because it just it feels right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I am pulling from a the Sacred Destiny Oracle. Let me, I'll do two. All right, so the two that came out is, um, and I'll, I'll take a picture of them and send them to you, but the first one is freedom and the second one is going forward. Um, so freedom, I think just really 
both of these, honestly, tie into everything that we've talked about today. And when you start to look at these parts of yourself that you haven't wanted to look at, and when you start to sort through these things and, and resolve them for yourself, there's so much freedom in that. And when you let go of things that you don't have to carry anymore, when you realize even just like, oh my God, I've been carrying this and I don't need to carry this anymore. And the going forward card is just, it's um, it's like a trail and it leads off into these like beautiful grassy mountains and like the sun is shining. And it's just like, I think that's just a testament to like, we're really, all of us are at the beginning. Like there's yeah. so much, there's so much left for us to experience. There's so much left for us to do. And we don't really know where we're going to go and where we're going to end up. But that's the exciting part is like you said, like you get to go through this experience of healing yourself and learning about yourself. And um, even, even what Tina pulled from that book is you can set the goal of, I want to count, I want to climb Mount Everest. But if you just set the goal that you want to have great adventures, then every time you take a step for yourself and, and, and do things that are outside of your comfort zone, or every time you get your heart broken, or every time you leave a job, like all those experiences um, are valuable. And, and there's so much joy to be had in that. Yeah, I love that. That's honestly kind of perfect. I think there's also there's, it was freedom and going forward, right? Moving forward, going forward. Yeah going forward. I think there's freedom in looking towards something with optimism. Mm. And like you were saying, we get really bogged down in the fact that, you know, we're in our early thirties or late twenties and it's starting to feel like all the milestones have passed, right? Like mm -hmm. I can rent a car. I've graduated everything. I'm going to graduate. I mean, Christina, you're married and, and there's things where you're like, okay, check, check, done it done it, done it, and it starts to get a little overwhelming to think like, oh, all the milestones are done. But when you think about the fact that the first 18 years of your life were spent living someone else's agenda for you because you were a kid, and so when as you get older, a freedom comes with that where, yeah, you're not hitting societal milestones, you're not hitting what everybody is expecting of you, but once those things are in the past, you get this freedom of being who you want to be and setting your own milestones and figuring out what you want to to deem as success or achievement. I think that's awesome. Yes, and that kind of goes along with what, like, so that that freedom to choose, that freedom to move forward. I, um, I like threes, and usually when I pull cards, they jump out in threes. And so what I pulled for you is inner temple, star mother, and then keepers of the earth. And so the first one is like, I think that this is something to reflect on as you move forward. It's like, how, how do you get out of your head and into your heart? And that's kind of like circles back to everything that we talked about in this podcast is um, really yeah. at the end of the day, like you have you, there's all these external factors that kind of hold us back because we're scared or because we think we're not doing a good job or because somebody did X, Y, and Z and we're only doing ABC. And it's like, get out of your head, just get into your heart and, and align yourself with what works for you. And that comes back to everybody's journey as individual. Um, and, you know, along with that, 
the star mother is like, how can you mother yourself? So not only like, how do you achieve these things? How do you climb that Mount Everest? But how do you nurture yourself in the process? Like we're not just living to get to an end goal and then we die. Like we're living to experience life. We're living to, you know, embrace the good moments, stand strong in the sad moments and, and learn as we go. Um, you know, that's part of our life's purpose. And then, this one uh, jumped out, just keepers of the earth. So like, as you go through this, like you're not alone. Not only are you not alone because you have support systems around you, but you're not alone because this card in particular says ancient ancestors stand beside you. So like realize that where you've come and where you are going comes with a history of where your ancestors have come and where they've went and where they've gone um you know we wouldn't be here without all of that so you know that kind of gives me uh goose pimples to think yeah. you know it's all just just a, a line of history as we go along and we have the power to create our own reality and kind of create our own destiny and um you know just take the time to look inward and be kind to yourself and um realize that it's just you. It's just you at the end of the day. And that doesn't happen. Those, those are sort of perfect. I mean, I've always been the person that is so much more head than heart. Like, I mm -hmm. look at everything logically. I'll talk myself out of feelings with logic. Any uncomfortable feeling I don't want to feel, I'm just like, well, I shouldn't feel that because. And I'm the kind of person that will have a hard decision to make, think about it, make a pro-con list, make a second pro-con list, ask <laughs> all of my friends, like, pull the audience and then at the end of the day I just say fuck it and go with my gut and learning to start there has been the biggest challenge for me because I am such a logical person which I think you can tell as you read the book like I'm someone who thinks of things from all sides and just trusting your heart or trusting your gut is like something I really want to grow into and learn, especially in my thirties, but it is one of my biggest challenges because it feels very vulnerable. It feels really scary where if I trust my head, if I trust the logic behind it, I'm, I have evidence, I have things to back it up and I can support the argument. If I trust my heart, it feels like I don't have anything to back up, mm -hmm. but because it's that, and then the, the mothering yourself, it's like those two seem to go hand in hand so well for me. Cause it's like, yeah, trust your gut. And then also trust that you're smart enough and you know yourself well enough that your gut is okay. Like your heart is okay to trust. Yes. Yeah. I love all of that. Oh God. Guys, I just love this podcast so much. Like this episode <laughs> is by far my favorite one. I love everything <laughs> about this. Um, Natasha, you are welcome back. Anytime you want to just like kick it with the gals, bring a glass <laughs> of wine, pull some cards, have some fun. I love it. I want to. You guys are amazing. This has seriously been such a crazy cool conversation. Like I had no idea where this was going to go, but we have talked about some really cool shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been great. Um, so I guess to wrap it up, like where can people find you, buy your book, see what you're doing? Oh, yes. I Sometimes I just come on these podcasts and I totally forget that I have to plug something because I'm just like, let's just talk. Let's, it's like a little mini therapy session. I'm like, let's just talk. And then they're like, where can people find the book? And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Um, so it's available. The book is called Shit Adults Never Taught Us. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, Google Play Books. You can also get it on the website, shitadultsnevertaughtus.com. There's signed copies, hardcover, paperback, ebook, whatever you want. And 
I am available always at shitadultsnumertatus at gmail.com or on Instagram at shitadultsnumertatus. I also just started a TikTok, but I'm not good at it, so please don't judge me. (laughs) But, like, I love talking to readers. One of my favorite experiences from this book has been sometimes readers will read a chapter and they'll be like, that's really cool, but I have more questions. And they'll message me. And I'm so down to talk. You can't fit everything into a book. If you have questions, if you want to build upon it, message me, email me. I answer everything. So, and I like to think I'm pretty quick. So like, (laughs) if you have something that's even urgent or time pressing, like you can email me and I, hopefully I, I'm not a financial advisor or therapist or anything, but I am happy to answer questions that people have based on the book. I love that. And you know, I've been sending a picture of this book out to all my friends. I'm like, get this it's gold it's great um everybody needs this like summertime is coming sit on the beach with it reflect like look at the waves oh, i love it so yes all the above like we are going to continue to promote you and um this is just this has just been a really great experience and if nothing else like our listeners your audience your readers like just know like you are not alone in this world. I think that that's the big theme is that you're not alone in this world and we all have something to gain uh, from each other and our experiences. And, uh, you know, nobody has it together. So just stop with that shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's no shame in asking for help. Like if you are struggling with something, ask, ask questions. We started asking Google the things we should be asking each other. Ask other people. Google has never been in an anxious or depressed state, but your friends might have been. Mm. I love that. All right. Well, this has been episode 11. Like, teen, I think it's my favorite, too. Um, And we definitely look forward to see uh, when, I know you said you don't have a time frame, but we're definitely excited for Shit Adults Never Taught Us Part 2. I love it. I'll send you guys a copy when it's ready. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was so great. Thank you, guys. This was amazing. All right. And that is episode 11, guys. Peace out. See you next time.